No ride around. Welcome back. Got a big, big bit of th- things we got to dig through today. Well, we owe everybody uh, an apology because I got a couple of text messages um, from some friends who listen, and we got all excited to do the last episode about uh, doping, and totally forgot to do a Larouda recap. Yeah, I left that one in the wings. So I just totally forgot. So we got to do that today. Do you have more friends that listen or more friends that don't listen? Uh, I have a lot of friends who don't ride bikes. Like, So it's hard because I consider myself friends with a lot of people at the gym, but we don't socialize together and we don't text each other just to say what's up. My friends that we just text to say what's up and chit-chat, a lot of them don't ride bikes. Um, so definitely less friends that listen, I think. You that's so I was I was explaining a shit sandwich to people um, <laughs> earlier today, and you do a very so. What I found is that my circle has gotten so. Actually, it's not a circle anymore. It's like a pinprick, um, <laughs> because if you don't ride bikes or work out consistently, you're, yeah. like I've just, we've stopped. We've stopped. Like, I have mm-hmm. friends out here that I was friends with in junior high that I, don't, I just don't talk to because because they don't ride bikes. They don't. They don't. Yeah, I guess. No, they don't ride and race bikes. They right. do it. <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. I mean, I've it's a got small circle. I've got some a little overlap of some friends who ride bikes, but they're way more casual about it. Um, and then some who just don't at all. So if it's nice out, they don't see me much. Yeah. Well, uh, I think basically you're just a better person than I am in the friend department. I mean, maybe. <laughs> uh, so, so we get we got to do a couple of recaps. Um, I thought it would be good. We finally got. Um, it, our ninety-seven percent of our sponsorship package put together, right? Um, and I thought it'd be cool to kind of just kind of go over that a little bit and announce some stuff, maybe. Yeah, let's actually. You know what? I think that's really exciting stuff because yeah. it's who's going to support this mission, right? Mm-hmm. Which is going to be our next this season, season two of No Ride Around, which is going to culminate with some cool stuff at mm-hmm. the end of the year. Um, yeah. and we're going to be able to kind of chronicle our development as we did last season. And yeah, we want these, these sponsors are stepped up. So yep. let's step up and let's, let's share it a little bit. So um, big sponsor, we've got a new bike sponsor for 2020. We do. Um, and it kind of fell in our lap a little bit. Um, and that's how they do business <laughs> in Canada. Huh? That's <laughs> just bleh. like Texas. There you go. <laughs> in laps. Um, so I think it is important uh, for the listeners to, because there's going to be some stuff on here where it seems like we're sponsor jumping, just like whoever gives us free stuff or whatever gives us the best deal. Um, you know, we had a great season on on Orbea, and those bikes are good. Um, unfortunately, a part of this is business. Right. Like, you know, we, we really try to keep that out of it, I think, a little bit. But at the end of the day, we're doing something um, – and it can benefit everybody. And Orbea was unable to really put together a package for us that worked this year. Um, so I don't want to have all the people that, you know, through the store saw me saying rah-rah about certain products and now I'm not using them and thinking that I don't believe in those products anymore. It's a little bit of a uh, a tightrope act for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, so let me get – so I'm not on a rope um, at all. I, I, I'm – 
more consistently have burned ropes. Yeah. Um, so let me address that same thing. There, you, while yes, you were part of, you know, being part of the team, you were all about the Orbea last year, and we crushed it, and we do. We still love the bike. Yep. It's also your responsibility to ride all of the bikes that your shop sells because you need to be able to speak about them. What if you just were sold out in love with one bike, never rode a different one, different brands, and somebody wanted to buy a different brand because their buddy has one, they've always had one, they've always wanted one, they read the reviews, they want this bike, you, it'd be foolish for you not to try it. So I think, you know, yes, may look like we're jumping around a little bit, but you're also willing to try other things. Hell, we may try the bikes and learn stuff that we do and unfortunately maybe don't like about them. Yeah, yeah, There's the, the, we are going a little sight unseen, but um, Norco really stepped up big time um, and is helping us out. And so we'll be racing on uh, Norco Revolvers. It's their new 100-millimeter cross-country uh, race bike. And I'm super excited to try it out. I have been, and I think you have as well, been just reading every single review and watching every possible video that exists. All the videos, all the <laughs> pictures. But in most of the stuff you see now is is their team, like their factory team, mm-hmm. racing and riding them and them just, yeah, trying to learn anything you can about it. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, Norco still being a relatively small brand in, in uh, North America, there's not as much as there is on other stuff. Um, there's some good information and some of your bigger websites like Pinkbike and Vital have done some reviews, um, but there's not a lot of in-depth information on, on their stuff in general. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a true, true story. I have, I have never ridden a Norco in any way, shape, or form. I haven't either. But, you know... Uh, I had ridden in Orbea going into last season. I just hadn't ridden that Orbea. Yeah, and, and to that point, I'd never ridden in yeah. Orbea last year either. Yeah, so, so. Um, you know, I, I've, I've said, um, you know, we obviously at the shop stand behind the brands that we, we carry, but uh, I think you have to go out of your way to find a bad bike these days, so I have every confidence that this bike is going to be really good. Dude, I'm jacked up. And the fact that I'm getting... The bike that I'm getting. Yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah, this jack wagon. <laughs> so for those of you who are so my fun bike, so I do I have an Orbea Rayon, 160 mil travel around. It's a just can do anything bike. I literally think I'm a, both at once a gecko and an eagle. I can stick to any rock, but I can fly through the air on this thing. So I love the Rayon. But the best thing about it is that I got to design it and it's ghost white. Just ghost white. And it to your credit, you know, I told you I waved you off of getting a white bike. I was like, dude, they're a nightmare to keep clean. Nailed it. Well, like, I, I do clean it more than I ride it. That is, <laughs> <laughs> there's the you know my very first really nice bike that I ever bought working at a bike shop was in like 1999 or 2000, like when I was really finally getting paid to work at a bike shop. And it's this out of business. Well, they're not out of business anyway. It was this uh, just all white hardtail, and I was so happy for the entire time that I was building it. And then the first time I rode it, I was like, man. This kind of sucks. <laughs> and I never bought another white bike since then. I don't think you had Pedro's bike lost. It didn't exist back then It did. Either. It actually did. Oh, it did? Yeah. See, I got my thing polished up. Yeah. Uh, um, but the cool thing about so the Norco situation that you have helped facilitate, Yep. I'm going to increase the ghost white fleet. Yeah. So we, um, I had uh, myself and my business partner, Sam, had the opportunity to have a, a meeting with Norco, the president of Norco, and... Um, it was kind of more about what was going on at the shop. And at the end of it, we kind of talked about some no ride around stuff and, um, he pulled some strings and made some fun things happen. 
Well, it was looking like the frames might have been out of stock um, for them to get us some the old, bikes. The old, we got one in the back for you. Yeah. And so Justin, so I'm just getting, I say, I just, I'm just getting, I'm getting a really nice bike. Um, and it's black and gray and it looks cool. But Justin is getting some team only, you know, <laughs> it's anyway, he's getting uh, just this white team only revolver frame. That came out of just the clouds, <laughs> yeah. the heavens. Yeah, know. they really did. They were like, uh, who's who's an extra large on the, the factory team? Ah, he doesn't need a spare bike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, news update, factory team rider goes down and doesn't have backup bike. <laughs> um, so that was really cool. And it was it was fun to meet with uh, the, the president of a company as big as, as Norco. Um, somebody at that level brings a really unique perspective to the dialogue between a retailer and a brand. And so that was just a cool experience. And then it, it culminated with uh, them coming on board as a sponsor. So I'm super excited. Cool. Yeah. So we'll be on Norco this year. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of learning for us with it. And, yep. you know, we super appreciate their support, of course. We're mm-hmm. going to continue to talk about them all season. But we'll also be incredibly honest about how we're feeling through yeah. the training and through understanding it because we're building them. Yep. Yeah, we'll build them from scratch. And, you know, I, I don't think I would go so far as to uh, badmouth a bike if I didn't like it because I think I'll overall like anything I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if there's something about it that stands out as like, hey, as a race bike, maybe X or, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I think the listeners can rely on us to be pretty honest about yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Um, so we'll be on the be on Norco for bikes. Mm-hmm. We got a new improvement here on uh, on the way we're going to build it. Not necessarily improvement, just shift. Yeah, you've been on SRAM forever. Yeah, I've ridden SRAM products um, since two thousand one, two thousand ish. Back when uh, it was actually when I first met Roger, and Roger was had come from working for SRAM. And they had come out. They only had twist shifters. You could not get a trigger shifter. If you could have offered them a million dollars, and they say, "Well, we'll take that million dollars and develop a, a trigger shifter, and then we'll sell it to you." Um, and uh, I was a diehard Shimano rider. And Roger says, "You should try SRAM." I said, ah, "I'm not going to try SRAM." He's like, "Well, would you try it for free?" <laughs> and, yeah, I would. You know, I'm 20. This is not a podcast about us just jumping sponsorships to ever give us free stuff. No, but I mean, <laughs> Back you then. know, to a 20-year-old kid who doesn't have any money, you know. Um, yeah, no, I'm just picking. And uh, I tried it, and it was good. And I just kind of stuck with it for a long time. And um, I have, full disclosure, talked just a ton of trash about Shimano for probably the last 10 years. I mean, anybody that has has talked to me about drivetrain stuff or even business stuff, really, because it was never a matter of the product being good. It was always business practices. Um, and they've changed a lot of their business practices that are more supportive of bike shops. And so the product has never really been bad. It's just been a, a pretty big disconnect for me as far as the shops that I've either worked for or now own. Um, and doing business with a company that doesn't insulate or try to protect the dealer in some way. I get that online retail is a thing and that's just how, how things are, but you know, it got real bad. Gotcha. Um, so now that they've 
vastly. And when I say vastly, I mean, I can't even express to you how much better it is to work with Shimano as a retailer than it was two years ago. Well, I imagine it does have something to do with the fact that, <clears throat> not saying I do this, but I couldn't find a pair of XT pedals for cheap online anywhere. And they used to be able to be, I used to be able to find a pair of XT pedals for 70 bucks online. Well, and that's the thing. All day. Um, you know, I got no problem competing when there's some sort of level playing field. There's some sort of rules in place that everybody has to follow, whether it's an online retailer or a brick and mortar retailer. Um, and the reality was that when it came to certain parts, um, notably like 11 speed mountain bike drivetrains and all mountain bike pedals, they were selling, like you could buy those products from, I mean, any website that sold that stuff for less than we could buy it for. At your cost. Like less than our cost. Yeah. Um, to the point where, I don't know if I get in trouble for saying this, I used those guys as wholesale sites. <laughs> <laughs> like that was my way to level the playing field. Right. Um, so Shimano did what they were supposed to do, what they should have done. They hired an outside consultant and that guy came in and said, yeah, you guys are devaluing your own brand. Anyway, long story short, they, uh, it's, it's a level playing field. You can buy the same thing for me. Like I ha I can't market up any extra. I can't make any extra money. Um, and the online retailers are stuck with charging a, a fair price for the product. And so, you know, that needed to happen. So, cool. Um, and I'm excited to try something new. I mean, SRAM still works great, um, but it's time to try something new. Yeah. Again, it goes back to just being well-rounded. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, this is, I think that's what's cool about what we have here. You know, um, you talk to a big factory team, they don't really make a shift like a component sponsor. Not saying that we're doing it flippantly, but mm -hmm. as easily as we can try new stuff. Yeah. You know? Um, Crank Brothers is back on board. Staying on board with Crank Brothers for wheels and dropper posts. Continental back on board. For tires. We've got new one, Enduro Bites and Beta Red, which I'm super jacked on. Yep. I, the, 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 I haven't had Enduro Bites in a long time. Yeah, you know, I haven't had them. I had them at the, we sold them at the gym, actually. Um, I think our first year at like 15. Mm -hmm. And not a lot of people bought them because they're very, they were very much geared towards just endurance at, in, you know, we do 45 minute to one hour workouts. Mm -hmm. So you didn't really need them. Yeah. Um, and they're not the most, they weren't the most palatable at the time. Mm -hmm. Right. But if you're eating it for energy, like a goo packet's not palatable either. Right? It tastes like crap. <laughs> but when you need a hundred calories and you need aminos and you need it now, it's the way to go. So, um, yeah, I haven't tried the bites in a while, but beta red, I'm like, oh, I mean, I crushed I? beta red at break epic. When you get the feeling, and you know what I'm talking about, the feeling. <laughs> yeah. Like when Mario ate a mushroom and became Big Mario, Yeah, he probably got a crazy feeling. But when he ate the fireball and yeah. became Fireball Mario, that's Enduro Beta Red. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, super excited for that. Um, yeah. Definitely see how the Enduro Bites go, but the Beta Red is the uh, it's the secret potion. It's the winner there. I like that one. Uh, junk Headbands back on board. Yep. So jacked on those. Uh this last weekend, and we'll talk about it, but in the in the twelve hour race I was just in, I was alternating between two different junk headbands, and I could take one off that was covered in sweat, hung it on my rearview mirror of the truck that I'd borrowed, and then came back from my next lap, 
with a different headband on that was now wet. The other one's already dry. So yeah, just um, alternating. Yeah, big fan of the junk headband. So they're back on board. Color uh, up. Doing color up therapeutics again. Uh, those CBD products are, are great. We've talked about them enough that we don't need to go too far down that rabbit hole. I just was going to try to overdose on it yesterday because of plane <laughs> flight after a 12-hour mountain bike race. I was going to see. That sounds what, awful. Like, they say you can't OD on CBD. I was going to try. You try it. Yeah. Um, and then we got Nixon's Coffee House back yep. on board again. Yep. Yeah. And uh, that that kind of, for right now, that wraps it up. I think we'll yeah. probably end up adding a couple of little, little things here and there, but... And this year with our sponsors, we're going to have, uh, throughout the season, you'll notice we'll have an episode or two, depending on their sponsorship level, that we'll spend 5 to 12 minutes, 15 minutes maybe, featuring something that they do. Mm-hmm. Just to give a, a good amount of education, because there's a lot, you know, we have 45 to hour and 20 minute episodes with, with the listeners here, and can't always go in as deep as we talk behind the scenes. And so right. we'll pick one of these brands um, an episode or two throughout the season and just dive in a little bit to hopefully try to educate and, and provide value to you guys as well. Yeah. Yeah. So there's um, a sponsor list. Yeah, that's it. Um, I had a fun little thing. It, this will be the second to last episode of the year. I can't believe that we're at the end of the year. Um, yeah, I mean, me neither. Um, but I also, I mean, we're, we're about to creep into the, the one year anniversary of doing this silly thing too. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Um, just one little fun thing. I, there was I, you know, I'm a. You frequently call me a nerd on the on the show. I mean, yeah, <laughs> and behind your back. Uh, <laughs> as long as you do it to my face, I, you and know, your face, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I know a lot of. There's a lot of things in, in what we do that are very polarizing. You either love it or you hate it, and Strava is one of those things. Like you either like people either eye roll and they're like, I don't Strava my rides. I just ride to have fun. Then there's people like me and you who don't like those people. <laughs> <laughs> we we cry we crave data uh, for whatever reason. Even a fun ride, it's fun to to talk shit. Oh, I got you on that downhill or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they published uh, some statistics for the end of the year, and they're pretty crazy. Uh, total distances and total elevations um, globally as well as in the U.S. And I thought this was cool just because it is the end of the year, end of the season. Um, any thought on how many miles people rode their bike globally across all walks of life? Oh my god! Oh, that were tracked on Strava. Uh huh. I mean, well, there's a billion people. Okay, I'm gonna do some reverse math here. Let's say half of that. Is one. <laughs> Five hundred million miles. Not even close. Oh my gosh. 5.6 billion miles globally. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. That's insane. Um, and uh, 296.7 billion vertical feet. Holy, dude, that's insane. Like, think about it. Try to, like, try to quantify that in your mind. Like, I can think of, like, no. oh, I know what 100 miles is. Yeah, that's like, so how far is Jupiter? Right. Yeah, I don't know. Right. Uh, now, I will say this. The uh, the average distance isn't for that amount of mileage. The average distance isn't that high. It's only sixteen point two miles. Yeah, but I can understand that. Yeah, um, in the U.S. Uh, and and we'll, then we'll move on. Um, in the U.S., total distance was seven hundred and sixty nine million miles. Well, we didn't account for very much. You, yeah, I mean, Europe is crushing us. Yeah, um, and then so basically uh, taking out all island countries. <laughs> 
Um, and then uh, total elevation in the U.S. was 36 billion feet. Gosh, we don't account for much. I mean, no. I wonder not how... a lot of bike riders in the U.S. When you look at like Europe and other countries, yeah. Um, you know, we don't do a lot of biking by comparison. By comparison. Um, so yeah, I just I I saw that um in my kind of my daily newsfeed of of bike stuff that I look at. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I got something interesting for you. Mm-hmm. What are you doing next Sunday? <sighs> Nothing good. Nothing good is right. So here's a wacky little idea. So many of you guys have heard of Sufferfest. It's a software for indoor training mm-hmm. and aptly named Sufferfest uh, because really. In your house, on your own, on a bike trainer, in the basement, alone, with your laptop or smart TV in front of you, that's a it's a whole it's a pain. People call it a cave. People mm-hmm. call it their yeah. lair. And um, Sufferfest, for those of you listening, you probably know, and for those of you that don't, it's just a guided digital program to help you do indoor training in the winter. But they have all these different programs, you know. So uh, they have Thin Air and Angels and Nine Hammers, and you know, there's 50 different ones and. They all have a different focus, be it speed work or climbing work or endurance work. Well, they also have this entire model built around their fantastical world called Sufferlandria. Yep. And now uh, they've gotten a little, you know, like I call you a dork, and these guys took this to the next level. Oh, they, they're next level. Next, I mean, they've got like a flag, mm-hmm. right, for their Sufferlandria made-up fictional country. They're, isn't there like their main racer grunter von agony or something like grunter von agony is there so it gets a little and if you can't you know if you can't accept it right you kind of go what this is you start rolling your eyes yeah a little and every now and again i'll roll my eyes yeah like when they have the the cheesy pictures of goats with lasers for eyes that's my favorite workout i'm sure it is only because of the goats with lasers (laughs) (laughs) i want goats with lasers uh so anyhow they have this deal that it's, it's called um what's it called again the Knights of Sufferlandia. Knights of Sufferlandria. And to do Knights of Sufferlandria, you have to complete... It's 10... 10 sessions. Workouts. 10 sessions. 10 workouts. And they give you a list you can choose from, because mm-hmm. you can't pick like the 20-minute ones, right? Yeah. So they give you a list to choose from. So it's going to be 10 sessions. And there's a rule. You can only take a 10-minute break between each session. Now, each session of Sufferfest, if done appropriately, like if you do it the right way, each session is essentially like... A cyclocross race. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a hammer in it's your hard. throat, in your face, hard for 45 minutes to an hour, and then you're done. And in this case, to do the Knights of Sufferlandria, you have to do 10 of these in a row with 10 minutes or less in between each. If you bail, you're out, right? So we're taking that on this coming Sunday. Are we going to do our own version? Are we going to do the 12 hours or are we going to do 10 sessions? We're going to follow it per the script. So if okay. the script's 10 sessions, okay. right? We're going to follow it per the script. Now, I think the 12 hours comes into play because you know, 10 minutes between each session and the setup and the deal yeah. and the, it's going to get close. Well, didn't Dan, Dan do a, some math on like the, the short version of the it? The shortest you could do, if you picked all the short ones that are eligible would have eight hours of riding plus, you know, that's 80 minutes in between, right? Yeah. So you're talking yeah. So you're still, still nine, 9, 10 hours. Yeah. But we're not going to, I mean, we won't do all the shortest yeah. ones. So we're going to be there for roughly 12 hours. So this coming Sunday from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., we're going to be at E3 on the indoor bikes, on our stages bikes, and we're going to be hammering the um, the tour of Sufferlandria. It's an invite situation. If you didn't get an invite, you weren't invited. And so... Uh, <laughs> it's a, if you didn't get an invite, you weren't... Wow. <laughs> yeah, so that's how that works. Um, to come to the event, those that are invited and are committed, you have to bring a crisp $100 bill. Before we start, everyone will write their name on the $100 bill. 
you're going to tape it up to the mirror that's right next to the bikes. You can quit. Like you, this is not, I mean, this isn't East Germany uh, some decades ago. You can quit. But if you quit, you also forfeit that crisp hundo yeah. and your name sits up there in infamy. And uh, at the end of the deal, whoever's left rolling gets to take their $100 bill off, fold it up, neatly put it back into their own wallet. And for the people that quit, we'll just call them, just so we can categorize people, we'll call them losers. We're going to use their money to buy our dinner. I love it. All the dinner. Because if I do 10 of these bastard sessions, Fuck. okay, yeah. all the dinner. What are, what are we having for dinner? Uh, however many hundreds we have left worth of the first food we can drive to. So that's, <laughs> it's very, it's very uh, planned yeah. out and strategic. Yeah, okay. Awesome. I'm super excited. Um, do we have a start list? Obviously me and you. We got you and I. Yep. We've got Colin. Yep. We've got Dan Larson. Okay. We've got, shoot, I just, I just hang on. There's a, oh, we got Steven Stafford. So Steven's in. Okay. We've got, come on now. Whole list, come back to me. Case? Case Cullen in. in. Uh, who else? Is Evan? Not confirmed, but I think on the list. But wants to. Okay. So we'll have to, I mean, I have to yeah. finish out. There were the people that were sitting yeah. there. Um, but we'll have 12 bikes. Yeah. And uh, I've had a request. Can, we, can I bring my own road bike and my trainer? Yes, sure. Don't care. Can I bring my own seat? Sure. That was Colin, wasn't it? You can bring your own seat, but I'm not removing... The factory seat. I'm not putting yours on. I'm not swapping them back, and I'm not going to have to wonder if it was done correctly. So you can bring your own seat, but you're fully in charge of managing that situation right. the right way. Yep. I'm not a part of it. That was Colin with the seat, wasn't it? I'm whoever had the seat. I'm not going to confirm or deny, but I'm shaking my head yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not part of it. Um, you know who's going to be part of it is me. I just know that I'm not part of it. Right. No, that's fair. Um, I'm excited. And it, I just, the one thing that I hope is that the weather's really shitty on Sunday because it would just rend my soul out of my chest if it's like a beautiful sunny day and 70 degrees and we're inside doing this stupid thing. Yeah. Well, I'll put it this way. I'm not looking forward to it and I'm not going to enjoy it. I hate indoor riding. I loathe it with a passion. Even when I'm doing it, I'm like in a battle between the weak me and the normal me. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, I cannot get into it. I find every reason, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm like constantly searching my email while in these uh, in these indoor sessions to hope a fire comes up. Right. So I have to stop. I right. hate indoor. Yeah. Well, I think it'll be, it'll be a fun community event. It'll be yeah, a good be group fun. of guys. Uh, it'll be fun. It'll be fun in its own way. Um, this will segue us into LaRuda nicely because you went to LaRuda, you raced, you did well. And in that, you got some uh, Tinker Juarez grips autographed by... By Tinker Juarez. The man himself. Yeah, so Tinker races LaRuda each year. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I got turned on to those grips from Colin, actually. Mm -hmm. So the, the Tinker Juarez grip, they're called the Dreadlocks, and uh, they're, they're a thicker grip and foamy, so... You really don't even need gloves if you have these grips. Yeah, they're like just, super comfy. They're way comfortable. And, you know, almost just before leaving LaRuda, I'm like, uh, you know, hello. Why don't we take some in there and I'll have him sign them. At this point, I mean, he's super cool. He was cool last year. And then this year he was even cooler because we got to spend a bulk of the race together, both on the course and um, before and after. Yeah. So, yeah, man, he, you know, he was super cool. I was like, hey, will you, will you sign these for me? So he didn't just sign the set. He signed every individual grip. So we've got some grips. Got some grips. I'm gonna. You kept a pair. 
You have to pair. I'm gonna keep a pair because cool. I gotta. I I really want to. I have to. It's probably gonna cost a bunch of money, but I want to get them framed with the the national uh, national champ uh, skin suit you got me. Yeah, uh, which was it, which is also autographed by him. Yeah, super cool. Um, so that'll be a cool piece for the shop. But we have, I believe, one pair. One pair left that. I think initially I was like, oh, let's do an auction or something. I, I don't want to manage that. Right. I don't feel like dealing with that. No. So instead, we're going to do um, just a photo comp, an Instagram photo comp. Uh, take a sick – and I, I honestly – for I'm not a skier. I don't like playing in the snow. It's bullshit. Um, but for this photo comp, it's ski season. So post your sickest ski, bike, adventure picture – Tag us. What do we want to do? Tag three friends. How are you? What are we, yeah, what are so we doing here? What are we doing? You're going to tag no ride around. Yep. And you're going to tag three friends who would benefit maybe from listening to us or or you know digging into some of the data or even just asking us questions, getting mm-hmm. to know this community, people that aren't part of it. You can tag three friends. Yep. That's all you got to do to qualify. Uh, if you don't already like our Instagram page, you're going to have to like the Instagram page. Well, yeah. To tag us, yeah. you better like us. Yep. Otherwise, you're not going to win. Um, and then we'll just randomly, at our own discretion and whim, um, pick the one we like the best. Yep, that's, that's, a, that's just how it's going to work. Yep, and you'll get them. And we will ship them if you're, we'll ship them within the U.S. If you live in some, if you're the dude in Australia, yeah, we're not mailing them to you, yeah, bro. I'm sorry, dude. Like, thanks like, for listening, though. Yeah, if keep listening. Yeah. <laughs> um, so post a picture, like our our Instagram page, tag us at No Ride Around, and uh, tag three friends to. Uh, to get them, get them on board, get them listening to the podcast, maybe. We're going to ship you off Tinker Wars grips, signed by Tinker. Mm-hmm. Super cool. I got to actually a picture with him with the grips when he signed them. It's pretty nice. neat. Um, here's the deal. The podcast is called No Ride Around. Just to circle back, maybe you picked us up just recently. Uh, it stands for taking that thing in front of you and going for it, right? Not looking for the, the path around it that avoids that thing that makes you pucker up. So if you want to win the competition... I would post a picture that kind of makes sense. Yeah, definitely. So, plenty of opportunities. There's lots of snow up there. Yeah, and if you're actually really into it, ride a bike. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm. You know, I've. I don't even know if I got the full Laruda recap. <laughs> so. Yeah. So you know, and it won't be. Last year we spent a lot. We spent a whole episode on it. Yeah. And, um, it was such a transformative thing for me because I'd never raced. Um, internationally mm-hmm. and I never traveled to do something like that. And it was, it was really an adventure. And this year, much like anytime you go back and do a second event or an event for a second time, rather, um, it becomes less about the adventure and now more about, okay, well, what am I going to do now? I've got a plan. I got a strategy. I've got beta I've got information. I should be better. And I went into LaRuda with that. I went into LaRuda with concrete plans and goals and, uh, it was more of a mission when I was there. And that started off on the very first night. So you raced geared this time after a season of racing. I raced single speed all pretty much all year. Yeah. So Um, this was a geared bike race. I did. I did geared at the Epic Mm -hmm. and then I did geared here for LaRuda. I also was registered as a UCI pro. Yeah. So is there your first real race? You kind of got dumped into the pro category. Yeah, exactly. So this was your first race as a pro. First race as a pro, and uh, when you step, so they corral off the start, right, in the front areas for the pros, the elite, and uh, you know you have to go, and you didn't have to be sitting there for 20 or so minutes waiting. You just got to kind of walk up, and you're this like 
fancy pants right at the front, right? <laughs> um, but I'm not on the inside, right? I'm like the guy, I'm like wearing a disguise to get there. So I'm sitting up there and I turn to the guy next to me. I'm like, hey, man, how are you? He's like, good. And I was like, okay. Uh, so you've been been doing a lot of races this year? Be ready for it? You know, I'm like, just like this yeah. like <laughs> kid still, right? You know? And he's he goes, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm a pro. Like, that's what he was like, thinking, right? This like, is all I do. His internal dialogue was like, uh, yeah, no, it's, it kind of goes with the category pro, idiot. But he didn't say that. He was just, he was, he was pretty neat. Come to find out he does, he owns a bike shop in, uh, in Salt Lake and he's a ridiculous professional. <laughs> so, but we spent some time together. Anyway, he got third overall. So it was, yeah, first time as a pro, but I had, I had a, a plan. I had, I knew what to expect. I couldn't just go down there and be like, I'm going to try my hardest and see what happens because I knew what should happen. And so there was a stress that came along with that. Yeah. And what brought that stress level down a little bit was, again, sharing this with my uncle. So um, Derek, Uncle Mento, got to come down as well. Um, you know, he traveled down with my Aunt Ann, his wife, and the four of us kind of all did this event together. Yeah. And then um, the four of us became the five of us because Victor, who met here in Denver. Yeah, you rolled with a crew. Yeah, so he he was searching online and stumbled across my blog that recapped LaRuda in 18 and was then talking to a mutual acquaintance that go, oh, dude, the guy like owns this gym that I train at, and that's how it kind of worked out. So Victory jumps on. I go, dude, we got a van. You might as well be part of it. And then Amir that I met in 18 was coming back. Um, he had podiumed in 18 and wanted to come back and, and win the age group. So we had a big squad, and Amir had some friends down there in Costa Rica that lived there, and they were willing to run support for us for the first couple of days. So this very quickly went from being an international race that was like, oh my gosh, I've never done this before, this is crazy, to an international race that I now have not only beta and experience on, but I also got like a support crew and a team down there now. So step up, Yeah. right? How cool was, did you get a call up? Like did they... So they don't call up names, okay. um, but they did, yeah, they did make, they acknowledge the pros. Mm. Um, it's not as big of a pro field I mean, it was it was there was a good amount of us, but um, there's far more non pros, right? Right. So I guess the elitist feel came from just Ike kind of just mosey up to the top and right. up there, and there's it's just it was it was pretty cool. Um, now that being said, there were a ton of non pro riders that are m- amazing athletes. You know, I don't think maybe the Central and South Americans aren't. You know, maybe they don't have a USAC the way we have USAC. You know, obviously they don't have USA cycling, but mm-hmm. they don't have their own a, a governing board. Body, yeah, yeah, that's it maybe is important. Anyhow, it was cool. The race promoters, the directors, uh, they come over and talk to you. You know, when you have, you know, when you have them coming over and making a production out of you, it just it feels cool. You get a lot yeah. of good treatment. Nice. How so, was how was how was the race? I mean, with was it the same course, slightly different course? First day was, yeah, was the same. Yeah. Minor deviations, you know. So each each day had minor deviations. Not many in the first day because you got to, I mean, you go through the car car jungle. So it's like, this is the jungle. Yeah. You're on one side of it and you have to go to the other side and, and there's one and, way and through. this is the road. <laughs> yeah. So like, <laughs> that was the same. We got out of the jungle was a little different. Um, and then, but for the bulk of it, that was, that was pretty much the same day. Uh, day two was different. For sure. Um, day one finished at a different spot. So the finish was, was different. And I'll talk about that here in a second. Day two had a lot more deviation to it. But again, effectively, you go up and down a volcano and then up and down another volcano. Mm-hmm. A spider network of trails. And then day three was completely different. 
they took out the bridges. Oh, so, you didn't have to do the railroads. No, the route is popular for the bridges. Um, on day three, typically you would go and it's just a hot race to a bridge and then you jump off and you have to shoulder your bike and walk across these death-defying railroad ties that range from like 30 to 80 feet above um, a river-ish area beneath you. And uh, and then you get back on the bike and hammer and you do that several times. Well, earlier in 2019, a guy was riding his motorcycle across these bridges. He fell, he died. And so the government stepped in and shut down the bridges. Not happening. Totally different third day. Huh. So enough uniqueness, but again... For me, right, I bet if you were a local, you're like, wow, it was so different. For me, I'm like, I mean, I'm still a dumbass American in Costa Rica racing a bike. <laughs> it's pretty similar to the last time I was a dumb American in Costa Rica racing a bike. Yeah. So, but I guess just to bring us back here a bit, the, the overwhelming feeling I had, it was twofold. It was one, perform, right? Like prove that you've earned enough of a reason to stand above and say, hey, I belong at the very front of this pack. So perform. And then two, doing this with my uncle is really could come full circle. My mom sent me a picture. And if you follow me on Instagram, you would have seen it. And I, I did tag no ride around on it. But my mom sent me a picture of me as a spindly little like didn't even, sophomore or did something. Did not even look like you. It's like, crazy. He just jacked that picture. So you can follow Justin at JH Sweats Daily. And uh, that picture's up there. It's pretty hilarious. It's absurd. I'm like this skinny, scrawny, spindly little dude. with. I had... They were probably like uh, outlet mall sneakers on flat pedals. Um, I had like fingerless roadie gloves. It was just absurd. Oh. But, uh, but that was the that was the kid that my uncle got involved in riding bikes. And so yeah. you know, um, to come back now and do a dream event of his um, was, was cool. So that was the other real big energy of the of the event. Now that said, I didn't really spend the event with him, right? Like. Before and after the race, for sure, but we were on different wavelengths. Yeah, I mean, it's for the same thing race. as us doing Break right. Epic together. Right. So I felt a little like I had underserved, you know, our friendship in doing that because I'm like, ah, you know, we'll do this together. It's going to be the. And then as soon as the race no. starts, I'm like, later. I mean, yeah. but he, he was, he, trust me, he didn't need me to have fun in Costa Rica. I had no illusions of what was going to happen at Break Epic, just <laughs> so you know. <laughs> so I'm sure he's on board. Um, but it was really cool to share it with him. Yeah. And uh, we had talked about this for a couple of years. So day one at the front, I asked the dude next to me, hey, you been training? Huh? He's like, yeah, I'm a pro. You're obviously barely. I'm one. a pro and you're an idiot. Yeah. So three, two, one, go. And we take off. And it does the same thing it typically does where, you know, you got a pace car. So everyone hammers and then it's relaxed and hammer and relax. Um, took us out to the jungle road and it laid down like we went to work. Uh the river crossings this year were pretty impressive. I, uh, knowing what the course was, I knew you have to hammer to the jungle. Once you get to the jungle, the most technically savvy dude will survive. Well, this year, the mud was next level. I mean, I had like drive, I'm dunking my bike in rivers, right, to get the mud off. It was pretty gnarly. But beyond all of it, I got mud in my eyeball about, oh, no. well, nine minutes into the jungle. A tree branch, uh, I like ducked under a tree of some sort, knocked my glasses off the back of my helmet. So I had no glasses. No big deal. I wasn't going to use them anyway. They're all fogged up. And then like three minutes after that, a piece of mud flings into my eyeball. And I spend the next hour and a half trying to manipulate a piece of gravel around my eyeball to get it out. So I had tried using river water, which probably had enough <laughs> organisms in there. You <laughs> So things not to do in the jungle, drink the river water. Or splash it directly in your eyeball. 
the same as drinking the water for water. <laughs> I'm doing anything I can to get it out. It doesn't come out. Um, I just, a deal. But I got, one of the photographers took a picture of me going through a river, and you could just see. So, it's such a good picture, It was too, so cool, man. Um, but river crossings were pretty intense. Get through the jungle, and then you're going through some dirt road and whatnot, and there was another brief little water crossing. And if you are less myopic, as because I, I, I get as tunnel vision as possible. And if you had a broader field of vision, like Andy would probably tell you if you're doing proper downhill, to be a bit more a broad sense of vision, I tunnel in. So I get to this next river crossing, and I'm, I mean, it's right before an aid station. There's probably 60 people in this area. I hammer through this water. It turns into like four and a half feet of water oh, quick. No. <laughs> Swallows my bike, and I go like baseball home plate, face first slide in the air into the it was It was an unbelievable crash. And then the first, then the first day ended up with this was a new part. They had single track cut in, or it was, I mean, it's existing single track. Some of the gnarliest Dakota Ridge style single track in the middle of a dark, not quite jungle, not quite forest section that was hella challenging. And uh, most people hiked it, and I didn't want to get off the bike because I didn't cramp at all, and I didn't want to get off the bike causes cramps sometimes. So um, I picked my way through there and picked off quite a bit of people, and I got to finish pretty damn high um, on that first day, nice. which was awesome. Yeah. So came through the finish line pretty high up. Oh, yeah. It was like 25th guy across the finish line. I'm saying something, because there's a lot of locals there that just know that This area, is their trail, yeah. their trail. This so. is, they train there every weekend. You can't fight trail knowledge. No, no. Especially when you, like, first time. Like, sight unseen. I mean, you can't pre-ride that stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, so day one was awesome. It finished at a little different spot, so there wasn't as many amenities. But we hung out and encouraged... You know, Amir came across the line next, and then, um, and then Victor, and then my uncle, and to, just to cheer those guys through was really cool, mm-hmm. and uh, and to hang out with them before the the rainstorm kind of rushed us off. Did you eat any potato tacos at the aid station? So we had support. I didn't stop, which was really cool. A big advantage this year. So I pre-made all my bottles, and uh, and when we got to where our aid was, the guys were amazing. And they just were pulling bottles out of our bikes, slamming the new bottles in. We had all scripted. Everything was labeled. Like These guys were tactical. I mean, it's like special forces stuff. They had made boiled potatoes that they had in Ziploc baggies. And they would. I just would stop my bike. They're swapping bottles. One's looping my chain. And then they stuffed three boiled potatoes in my pocket, two in my jersey, and I took off. I mean, it was pit stop style. That's so awesome. I didn't get any of the aid station. I don't even know what they had. <laughs> I they probably even, had potato tacos. They probably had, I'd have no idea. I yeah. didn't stop at all. It nice. was cool. So it was really NASCAR style. So there was a big rainstorm though? Oh man. I mean, it's Costa Rica. It's so Costa Rica, I mean, but dude, the rain comes in torrents. Yeah. You know, just torrents. And so, and that's, you know, I realized I could never live in like a jungle or island environment. People dream about that, right? Like, oh, just sleep on the beach, the wind, the breeze. <laughs> dude, nothing dries out. You're always sticky. There's fucking sand everywhere, right? And I'm too I'm just too OCD for it. It's, right? a lot, it's a lot like living in uh, Louisiana. That's kind of what it sounds like. Yeah, it's just miserable, muggy. Yeah, like you just feel dirty all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah, and that's kind of how it was. I just felt, you know. Yeah, I can't do it. I can't do sand either. I hate the beach. My shoes still smell. We're months removed. Yeah, they still have like a faint mildew, like you you nasty smell. <laughs> it won't go away. Yeah, uh, but you know, finish day one. We're all at the same hotel um, to have dinner with my uncle and Amir and Victor, like recapping the race. And everyone did great. Everyone uh, had beaten their goals 
for the day. Uh, rather, I beat my goal. Um, Amir ran into a mechanical issue, so he went through a series of tires, uh, tubes and flats and some nonsense. Victor didn't realize, uh, you know, we're, he's a Colorado guy, so the heat and the humidity kind of swallowed him up a little bit. And then my uncle performed his goal. He got it. He came in ahead of his goal, which was really cool. That's awesome. So, yeah. He's an, he's an animal. He's an animal. He's new bike, too, this yeah. year. So he uh, he earned it. Um, day two, fun, the volcano day. And uh, I got, you know, that's the day I could have been better at. So, you know Mount Falcon, right, here in Denver. Yeah. Climb Mount Falcon. Mount Falcon is, I believe, from the parking lot to the shelter, is I think eighteen hundred vert in like two point three miles, right? So it's relatively steep. It's pretty straight up. But with Mount Falcon, you know, like when I get to that rock, I know how much further I go until it mellows mm-hmm. out a little bit, and then I get to that piece, and then it mellows out, and you can kind of play that yeah. game for quite a while, yeah. right? Um, do it every time, <laughs> <laughs> and it's helpful, right? When you do that, it's helpful. But with uh, with the course in Costa Rica. It's the same idea. Like the climb on day two is okay. So day two is 49 and a half miles total, 9,339 feet of elevation gain. Okay. But all of that elevation gain comes in the first 20 miles. So let me put this in perspective. Fuck off. (laughs) In 20 miles, you're going to climb just under 10,000 feet. At Leadville, in 104 miles, you climb like 10,400 yeah, feet. Yeah. Give or take. Yeah. Okay. You do this in 20. So it is just relentless, straight uphill, straight uphill. Like I'm a different man now because of the things that the, the nose of my saddle have done to my back end. Okay. <laughs> Not proud of it. Yeah. I'm just being honest. Yeah. This is a podcast of honesty. Yeah. It's straight up. And so. I bring up Mount Falcon because I can go out to Mount Falcon on a single speed, hell, on a cruiser bike. We've talked about it. Yep. And I can survive it because I know every twist and turn how much more effort I have. Day two for the second year in a row, it's just like, when the is this thing over? Yeah. And it can be defeating just a little bit. Um, I found that when I was looking down at my power meter and paying attention to power, I was I was getting really jacked up. But when I would switch to looking at just the topo map on my computer, like the elevation chart rather it helped me settle in a lot and i and i started to pick some people off so um i ended up doing a lot better towards the second part of day two than i did on the first part and uh i just i i kind of wish i had more knowledge but i don't have time to fly to costa rica and ride roads because that's what it is is roads yeah Yeah. and like farm roads and roads and farm roads and a tiny bit of like was like goat herding trail but mostly roads okay Straight up. Yeah. Wow. So I was 22nd overall after the first day. I dropped to 28th overall on uh, on day two, um, just because I got I did I, w- I got to do a walk pattern at one point. At one spot, I was like riding at three miles an hour. I'm like, dude, why? And yeah. I walked at 2.6. Yeah. But then I 2.6 becomes 2.2, and then it becomes I don't want to get back on the bike until I looked around and the riders I was with, I was like, dude, this you're pro, bro. Come yeah. on, get back on the bike. Get back on the bike. Um, and so, so I kind of started to pick some people off. I'm looking at the Strava now and I actually have a trophy on that day. So, I mean, I've got some top tens in there. There you go. You know? Um, but, but yeah, that day hurt. I dropped a little bit. And, uh, however, when I, uh, got to the, I remember day two did the same thing to me. I made a wrong turn in 2018 and I, I got to the end of day two on 2018 and had a real negative attitude. And 
not to sound like Tony Robbins, but dude, it really is about your attitude. And I remember for the last year, I've kind of thought about that, the way I finished the second day in 2018 and disappointed in myself a little bit. Like you could have, you could have been a stronger person. And so this year, finishing day two, I remember those spots where I got a little Debbie Downer in 19. And even though I got no walk pattern this year, I still was, I was pushing. And um, man, I remember putting the biggest cheese eating grin smile on my face this year at those parts last year where I was down on myself. And I just hammered. Like if I look at my my zone, I was pretty much green and blue all of day two. Day one's all yellow. Green and blue, pretty much day two, which is, uh, for those of you that don't have it, uh, 60s and 70s of percent heart rate zone. I finished the race in the yellow, in the 80s, newt with a big smile on my face, just hammer mode, because I said, I will not let the, I won't let myself be negative, right? Like I race better positive. I've learned that in the last year. And so I finished day two really strong. um, And that set me up for what became day three, which is one of the crowning achievements of my year. So let's hear about it. I had, so day three. This is, is all new for me. Yeah, I haven't heard no, this any is of great. this. Yeah, we haven't. I can't believe it's up to recap all this. So day We've three. We've both been a little busy. We haven't even bullshitted at Nixon's. So I know, I'm like, dude, hater. I would go to Nixon's right now, <laughs> in the middle of this podcast, and get an Americano. <laughs> Not to just give them a plug, but just the dude. I'm going to when we're done. Okay. Day three was different this year. Instead of going over these jungle bridges, um, and and carrying your bike. I had no idea what to expect other than we knew it was going to be like, it was last year was a two hour hammer. It wasn't that much in terms of mileage by way of mileage. So we knew it was just going to be a get after it sprint. It's basically a road race on mountain bikes. Minus the fact that you go through an entire banana farm. So there's a little deviation there. Mm-hmm. We start on the road in town, in this uh, town, Cicades, and we leave town with an escort. The escort starts to get faster. We start to get faster. Everybody starts to bunch up. This becomes a road race. I've got experience with this now. Um, I don't have my glasses on because they're not going to help me. Because you don't have them. Yeah. Well, I, I ended up borrowing a pair from Amir. <laughs> Amir, I love you to death, bro. But like your style and my style, I mean, you're in your 50s, homie. So um, I didn't wear your glasses. <laughs> but nonetheless, I had them. Ruthless. So uh, brutal. So we start hammering, and uh, Amir and I are working together as a team, and uh, we get into these pace lines, and we are flying. And the next thing you know, this thing ducks into the darkest tunnel ever. Like what? And I, don't, I still, I found out what the tunnel was after the race was over. But at the time, again, I'm tunnel vision. I got the blinders on, and we're hammering. And then we're on single track. Like, how do we get on single track? Like, wh- this is supposed to be a road hammer, and I'm going over logs, and we're like deviating around spindly tree i'm like what like where we're in a banana field dude like full on like where you get your bananas for 69 cents a pound (laughs) we are in the actual field where these freaking bastards grow hanging above us it's crazy shit okay and so like you're when you buy bananas that's a bunch right right so a bushel is a fuck ton of bunches all right (laughs) so these things are massive and they're hanging above you looming above you Again, I didn't see this because we're racing, but that's what you're in the middle of this dark, dense banana plantation and mud is flinging up at you, okay? I look briefly behind me. Guess who's riding my rear wheel? I can't even. Our boy Tinker. Oh, nice. Tinker War is on my rear wheel, which means I'm in the very top of the race. Like there is no more, like I'm at the top of the race, okay? Tinker's on my rear wheel. Amir's right in front of me. I'm hugging his wheel and I'm sitting here being like, fucking pro bro this is legit like i feel like in the right place at least today flying through this mud i get stung so 
Fun fact. <laughs> Justin gets stung in every race that he does. This is bullshit. So there are wasps that live in the mud at the banana plantations. Don't know this. Didn't know this. Would have liked to know this. Uh, Bill Nye, the science guy, and Carmen Sandiego both failed me in my youth by not teaching me this. There are wasps that live in the mud. When you disturb a wasp in its home, whether it's a mud or a hive or whatever, they're going to mess you up. Yep. Dude flies up and stings me just adjacent, not onto, but directly near, quite close, my testicles. And when you're in spandex and you feel a sting close to your testicles, you start to freak out. That's a, uh, this is some cause for alarm. So I grab, I reach down, I grab this wasp and like rip it out. The stingers, I'm like, God, I can't believe I got stung. You know, it distracts me enough, but I'm still riding, right? I'm on Amir's hub. He uh, kind of wiggles to the left in this little area and it got us off trail, which sucks because then we hit the brakes hard and have to jump back on. And this is just a pay, I mean, we're hammers, right? Yeah. So we jump back on Tinker and then um, and this other guy, uh, this guy, Andy, he goes by another pro, the guy, the guy at the very beginning who I was like, hey, bro. <laughs> hey, you've uh, been training. <laughs> yeah, you've been training. <laughs> that guy who was in, he was in third place. He ultimately got, I misspoke. He got fourth overall um, at the whole event. He's insane. So uh, they went right by us. We grabbed bikes, jumped back on trail. The top leading female, who's a Costa Rican and then one of her teammates, who was kind of her uh, pacer for the final day, got by us. And so we jumped back on course. And we're going through, anyhow, we get out of the banana field. And then Amir and I are like, we're just going to put it down. And we didn't get under 300 watts for the next bit. And a bigger pace line jumps onto us, and we drop, and then they bridge, and then we bridge to a group in front. And so we're at the apex of the race. We're at the, well, I mean, we're the pinprick of, you know, 400 riders, right? And I'm settling into this road fashion where you're taking poles and you're doing the job and you're doing these pace changes. The Costa Ricans, some of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. Like Ticos, you get the hat tipped. You're awesome people. But when it comes to doing your job on the pole, when it comes to pace lines, you can be like little assholes just a little <laughs> bit. I'm just going to be honest. Were they just doing short poles? Or no or poles. Or no pole. They'd there was one dude very clearly not taking a pole. Like it would be his pole and he just wouldn't take the pole, which I don't even know how. So, you know, someone would pull off and then he would just pull off right behind him. So he just wouldn't take a pole. So real quick, we probably need to give some yeah. people the anatomy of a, of a pace line. Go ahead. Pace line is a group of riders and the whole concept is to cheat the wind. And so when we say taking a pole, there's a lead rider and they're doing the work. And then however many other riders are sitting behind in the draft. And depending on the size of the group and the effort at the time, um, you could have a 10-second pull, you could have a 30-second pull, whatever. Once you're done, you rotate, and it kind of depends on where the wind is and where you are on the road and that sort of thing. Um, but you'll, you don't hit your brakes. You just kind of peel off to the left or the right. You let the riders behind you move up. The rider that's right behind you is now the lead rider doing the work, taking the pull, and then you drift back to the back, and that's where you get to rest and recover. Right. For the series of one, two, five, ten, hell, yeah. 12 pulls, right? Yep. Yeah. So uh, a bigger pace line obviously can hold higher speed, smaller pace line, everybody's doing a little bit more work. But anyway, so that's the whole thing. So, And the etiquette is, is if you're going to participate in the pace line, do some work. If you can't do a 30-second pull and that's what everybody else is doing, do 15 seconds. 
but do something. Do your job. Yeah. Right, so no free rides, no yep. free tickets, okay? Yep. So this kid's taking a free ticket. Mm-hmm. Well, there were about four attacks throughout this whole deal. So now with an attack, you'll get this pace line's going, this pace line's going, and then it starts to churn a little bit, and then you'll get some guys that'll break, right? And they'll just hammer off the front. Is that appropriate way? Yeah, to, yeah, okay, so yeah. they'll hammer off the front. Now, if they get away from you, like they gone, yeah, right. And to and to bridge is very hard. It requires a real hard effort. So and it requires all the people that got left behind to work together, right? And there's a reason that they're being left, right? They're not maybe as strong, whatever it may be. So there's some tactics there. So there were a, a, a few of those surges, and Amir and I always hung with them, right? Because we're, I mean, we were laying some work, right? So we're going, and we're not letting the group go away, and we're doing. I mean, we. Between Amir and I, we did more polling than any other duo at all that w- that was part of that day. Um, we catch up to a, a group of two, and then a group of four come up alongside of us, and now we've kind of got this two-lane that becomes sometimes a, like a Mighty Ducks flying V, mm-hmm. that becomes a cluster, that becomes two lanes, that becomes one lane again, and that kind of thing morphs and moves kind of like a, a flock of birds, mm-hmm. right? School of fish. I mean, yeah. it's very similar to watch. And so that's what's happening, and... It's starting to get hotter and hotter. Now, this kid that won't take his pole continues to not take his pole. And and again, it be what it may be, he didn't take his pole, but he kind of half-wheeled a little bit. And we just talked about that in the rules mm-hmm. episode. So he kind of half-wheels a little bit. And uh, another guy, a, a buddy now, um, his Strava name is awesome. It's Rabbit Sanchez Jr. Um, that's not his real name, but uh, his Strava name is amazing, and he's a beast. You should go check him out on Strava. But... He's half wheeling. Uh, this, this kid's half wheeling uh, rabbit here, and rabbit hits hits his wheel, and the kid goes down, and he goes down at like twenty three, and we're on <sighs> on like gravel, gravel, oh. and uh, he goes down, and he's like adjacent in front of kind of me, like at my two o'clock or so, and so when he goes down, I have to make a hell of a move to avoid this, and then hammer my pedals. Kid went down hard, yeah. like. You don't wish ill on somebody. Now, if you're not taking your pull, like people believe in karma. I don't really. It's kind yeah. of like a voodoo thing, but it might work. It, he went down hard. Yeah. Anyhow, the pace starts going and it's getting hot and I'm watching my power meter. And, you know, for the most of the time, like I said, we weren't below 300 watts and now we're like holding 400 watts and I'm looking down and it's like 540 watts. How long is the stage? So... I thought it was like, two hours. Because these are the kind of like those are the kind of numbers I would expect in like a crit race or okay. a cyclocross race. I thought it was going to be two hours. I'm just pulling up my Strava, um, including the rollout. It was an hour, eight minutes, and ten seconds. Okay, so it was about like a crit or yeah. a cyclocross kind of duration. Again, didn't know that going into it. Now yeah. I have all the maps loaded into my computer. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, the Brighton's awesome. Uh, so I have them all loaded in there, and. I can cycle to the actual course and it has a flag, a flag like a checker flag to the to the end line, right? I'm not using that. I'm looking at my power. I'm making sure because it was, it was a strategy for me and I to like not blow up too much because we wanted to be able to have the end. I'm looking down. I'm like 504. I'm like, dude, these guys are freaking balling. Like everyone's going hard, right? So yeah. and you're I'm, not gonna do that for two hours. No, and so I'm like hitting the and I'm like, dude, where like where are and I'm again I'm not paying attention to what's going on around me, but I would have been seeing cars and stuff. Because there were cars. So there is like the presence, now that I look back, of the end is near, right? I cycle my computer two buttons down and the checker flag is like 0.2 miles. Like we are at, like we're nearly at the end and I'm looking now I'm at like 600 watts, pushed to seven. I surged at like 930 watts, okay? 
that was my surge effort. And we go just fun. And now it's like, I see the finish line. I see the deal. Dude, I come haul ball and nuts crazy across the finish line. And I got 10th in the entire field on day three. Damn. Which was. That was exciting. Yeah, that was like my. My heart rate's all high right now. <laughs> <laughs> that was my my proudest moment. Um, that sounds was, like a hell of a day on the bike. It was to finish that way, dude. 10th overall. It was only an hour and eight minutes. And, you know, it was only. Let's, let's do some math here real quick because it broke into two. But it was like 22 miles and change. Um, not much elevation gain at all. But, you know, you're averaging stupid speed. Blazing fast on a mountain bike. Stupid speeds. Yeah. And uh, came through. Uh, I didn't get to bridge. Tinker pulled um, eighth. This guy, Jason Siegel, who's a pro out of California, coaches for Carmichael Training Systems. He took ninth. I got 10th. Amir got uh, in the cluster that was just behind me. There were like four of them. Um, and uh, Amir, I love you to death, dude. Like we're boys and I didn't mean to drop you. I didn't even know what was happening. I was completely <laughs> clueless, but he reminded me like four times. He's like, yeah, up until the point you dropped me. Yeah. Up until the point you dropped me. And hey, man, hold, like, the, hold the wheel if you can, I guess in a, in a famous line, Amir, you can be my wingman anytime. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So how'd you uh, how'd you finish in the field overall for the whole race? Yeah, overall for the entire race, uh, ended up twenty sixth out of three hundred and forty riders, three hundred and thirty one riders, um, and I got ninth in the pro field. Nice. So, um, and then out of U.S. pros, U.S. pros. Uh, oh shoot, I wrote that in there. Um, what did I say? I got third, right? I got third in the U.S. pros. Nice. So, um, I believe you know my, my whole idea was if I going to go down there as a pro earn it and I feel like taking, you know, a top ten finish, third American across the line, you know, to the point that I feel like if I if I and I'm not saying I do, but if I made it a tradition to go down there, um, I think I'd have the support of the of the people that put on the race. Yeah. You know? No, it's awesome, man. So sounds like a hell of an adventure. Yeah, it was <laughs> you know, second to the adventure that I did the following day. Yeah. But uh yeah. run run along in the yeah, tooth run here. a little bit long. <laughs> um I do want to cover the race because we were so um in the quest, there was a kind of an accidental to. Now you did more than just twelve races, but um, you did at least one race a month for twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen race raced every month. And, well, uh, you know, December needed to happen. But yeah, yeah. So, um, so you needed something for December, and you and uh, Chamby went down and did a, a twelve hour race, and it was. I mean, I was watching it on the whatever result tracker thing yeah race results and i mean it was as tight as a race could be for a long time dude and it is not like it's fun to be super competitive it is stressful to be like way tight competitive yeah so um the format of this particular race it was a 12 12 hour race uh sunrise to sunset deal in uh, fountain hills arizona correct mm-hmm. um and justin i don't know that the, the word no exists in your vocabulary because you weren't even going to get in the race and you just i think the guy was just finally like it dude you can race if you stop calling me <laughs> i called this guy i emailed this guy um the race was full the race was full i, I tried to register and, and i was on a wait list and i'm like dude i've done this i've done this it'd be a great deal like he yeah. doesn't respond i call him he basically <laughs> just, tells just, me over the phone like bro like you're not it's sold out like, like, and if i let people in i'm gonna let a team of four that pays like 400 bucks yeah. not you pays 100 bucks 
well, that's cool. Um, well, I signed up to volunteer, so I'm going to be there anyway. I'm volunteering I'm, on Friday. And I'm bringing my bike, and I'm, bring, and I'm bringing my race kit. And, and I'm going to race. And, 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 and. Yeah. Um, so it was, so how did the, uh, what was the, the genesis of, of you doing a duo with Andy? So I was doing it solo, single speed. Right. I went down to Arizona for Thanksgiving. I drove down there. So I left a single speed bike, my single speed bike there and uh, drove back, you know, I was going to fly down and race solo. I'm driving back from Arizona after Thanksgiving and I'm talking to Andy and he goes, I have never, I never ridden in Arizona. How, what's it like? I'm like, dude, you should come down in two weeks. Now, one of Andy's mantras this year has been um, to say yes more. Right, yeah. to these adventure experience kind of things, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so he goes, I think I will. I go, while I'm racing, you could just ride around. It'd be totally cool, and you can check out the trails. I was like, screw it, dude. You should race too. And he says, well, I'm not, I'm not quite ready for a 12-hour race. I'm not, I'm not trained for that, you know? I can appreciate that. And I'm super caffeinated at this point. Why don't we do a duo? We do it as a team. He's like, I'm in. So that's how that happened. <laughs> okay, all right. So uh, the format was just alternating team, uh, alternating laps. Yep, uh, a transition area. You come through the finish line. You have to dismount your bike at the trans er, at the start finish line. You can't ride through the start finish. They make you dismount safety in its tight right. area. You have to run your bike, and then you high five your partner, ass tap them. They said you could kiss them. That wasn't kind of just, our world. Just touch. Um, just, just touch. Just touch contact. your partner, and then they can mount their bike at and, a certain point and take off on okay. course. Sixteen mile laps. Okay, about nine hundred and fifty feet of elevation gain per lap. Yeah. So. You guys were in first position for a couple of laps at the very beginning? Yeah, so 60-mile laps, the first lap, I come in in 57 minutes. Yeah, so you you did your your mission research, as you always do, and you, you've looked at the guys that won it and what the lap times were. Yep, for the past couple of years, few years, what's been, where yep. have people who've won been? Yep. Who are they? Yeah, who are they? Can I stock them on Strava? Yes and yes. And I found that if I do, if we averaged sub one hour laps, we'd be able to do 12 laps and that's going to win the race. Yeah. Uh, the winners of the last few years had done 11 laps. Yep. Now, uh, last year they did 11 laps in 11 hours and like 13 seconds. So they could have done another lap if they hammered it, but they didn't need to to win. Right. So to submit a win, you got to do 12 laps. That was our head. Yeah. If you could nail the 12 laps. Now, and it was funny because it was uh, you guys and I can't remember the, uh, the name of the other team. Lab Riders. Yep. And this isn't meant to like be a knock on Andy, but there was in, on both teams there was a faster guy, right? Right. Yeah. Each team had a had a slightly faster dude. Yeah. And uh, it and so Colin and I were watching the results all day. We'd pull out our phones, do the updates, look at the average times, the slowest lap, blah 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 blah. And and again, this is just when you're when you're talking about something all day, you kind of. It, it, there's no way to, to to soften this, Andy. We called you the slow guy. <laughs> we said, well, well, their slow guy is is a little bit faster than than Justin's slow guy. <laughs> right. And that, and that's true. Yeah. Right. That's so, how it, it, Andy, you're still faster than me by a lot. Um, but you, you got called the slow guy pretty much all day Saturday. So now their slow guy also got he he's done this race a handful of years, I believe. Mm-hmm. Last year, their slow guy got second with a different partner. Mm-hmm. So he knows what second yeah. feels like. Yeah, yeah, This year, he got a faster partner. Yeah. Because his times were about the same. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, and it was one of those things where watching it was a little bit of a nail-biter. At a certain point, a gap opened up, and it was just like, I think it was like 13 minutes or something, and it was just like, well, that... Yeah, it finished at, it finished at a 13-minute gap, yeah. but there was a point where they had like a seven-minute gap yeah. here, like it's over. 
So um, I'll, I'll fast track this, but first lap, we come through and it's seconds apart. Yeah. Second I mean, we lap. were watching, I mean, it was a difference of 18 seconds or yeah. something stupid. Yeah. Second lap comes through and uh, and I'm filtering through this, you're hearing these pages because Andy and I can't, you can't communicate on a on a two-person team. Oh. Right? I think about it. So yeah. I come around the first lap, yeah. hauling balls, I jump off mic, I'm running, I high five him, he's gone, right? Yeah, you're not. I I then have to go to the pit. Now each lap, uh, I warm up my zone. Each lap burned about a thousand calories in that hour, so that's a, a pretty nuclear lap. I looked at your my zone, and it was just yellow, gray. Yeah, yellow, gray, <laughs> yellow for an hour, gray for an hour, yellow for an hour, gray. Yeah. And so, you're nuked. You have to get to your site, right? So I ha- I high five Andy. I go right to our campsite, which was just a, a pop up, a chair, and a tarp. Uh, is uh, the Target has a rental program, which is cool. Um, you it's like to, a, the REI rental program. Yeah, it's very it's similar, similar program. Yeah, yeah very similar. <laughs> All right. Um, anyhow, you have to be able to consume enough liquids and foods to to like refuel from to, from the damage you just did. Right. But you got to do it soon enough that I can settle in and kind of become the fuel that you're going to use for the next lap. That's going to oh crap! That starts in 27 minutes already. Right. So you can't communicate. So we have a notepad where we we write notes to each other. So you'd come back and get handwritten like. How does he feel? What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. And that's how we communicated. That's awesome. And also how we communicated time because he didn't have, his phone didn't have service out there. So I have all of our times here and yeah, we're like 20 seconds off, 30 seconds. And that, then then we're ahead. And then we're ahead for lap three. We're ahead for lap four um, or four and five, whatever. I go out on what was my um, fourth lap. Okay. Now, when Andy came in from his third lap, which would just be six total uh, halfway through the race, they came in at the exact same time, their team and our team, Andy and their their rider, their slow rider, right? So we get the exchange at the same time. We take off onto course, our fourth lap, and their guy sits on my rear wheel. And he sits on my rear wheel, dude, all the way through mile nine. So 60-mile course, about eight and a half-ish to nine miles of it are moderate up, and the other, you know, seven and a half, eight are moderate down. So I'm on a single speed, remember. And so going uphill, yeah, I'm fast, right? He sits on my wheel and just rides my rear wheel the whole way up. Little breeze out there, he's just tucking in, taking advantage of it. I even said to him, I go, so uh, what's the strategy going to be here? And he goes, ha ha, I don't know, I'm just hungry for a cheeseburger. I'm like, okay, so we're going to play this game. Yeah. All right. We get to mile nine, and he freaking passes me. He's on a geared bike, naturally. He passes me and drops me like a bad habit because the moderate down I'm capped at like 21. I was going to ask, so that was one of the things I was going to ask you. Uh, do you wish you had ridden a geared bike for this? Uh, a thousand times yeah, over. That's. I mean, I was wondering that because I was looking, I'm like, not for nothing, I have immense faith in you as a mountain biker. And I'm like, I bet the single speed's hurting him right now. So here's how bad it hurt me. Now, and I'm not making an excuse. Listen, a race is a, a race. A race is a race. Run Whatever with your happen- bum. Yeah, yeah, run with your bum. Whatever happens, happens, right? But if I could have like, and had a geared like bike... All day long, dude, yeah. because of the top end speed. Now, right. the climb, again, was fine, yeah. though it took a lot out of me. Mm-hmm. But when I'm downhilling, I have to do like 125 cadence RPM to get some juice, and then I coast, yeah. and then I do that. And I, eventually, you're just, you're just blown, yeah. you know, yeah. when you have a geared bike. Yeah, so I was holding like 22 in spots with a geared bike out of hold 25. Mm-hmm. So I would have made this dude. Yeah, I was super memory. curious about that. I even changed my gearing. So yeah, I, you did. You texted me. You're like, I pre-rode the course with a 34 by 19 gearing ratio, which is what I did Leadville on. And then after the pre-ride, the afternoon before the race, I switched to 34 17, and I've never done that before. 
Yeah. Like I've never that's even run gear. that gear. That's a big single speed gear. And it was a hell, like don't ever change things the night before the race, right? Yeah. Well, Leadville 2017. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 16. 16, 16 rather, sorry. Uh, but I did, and it was all to try to eke out speed. So yeah. this guy passes me and I'll, I'll write you what I wrote because I put a note in here to Andy. Um, I'll just read the, wrote, the note entirely because I think it's fair. This is handwritten after I finished lap four. Fuck those guys. That, <laughs> that bastard sat on my rear wheel the entire climb. At mile nine, he passed me and I yelled, you done sucking my wheel yet? We aren't friends. I have an idea, but not sure how you're going to feel about it. And then I went into a new strategy I had for <laughs> nice. us to put in play. Nice. Um, he ended up dropping us there. I, I couldn't bridge. I knew that there was going to be a gap. Andy jumps on course. We can't close the gap. Yeah. And so it kind of got away from us at yeah. that point. Um, and, uh, you know, we finished strong. The notes that Andy and I had written to each other say things like, no give up, pain cave, hard charge, blast in this last yeah. lap. Like, so we stayed in nice. it. We had a lot of fun. Um, I think we represented real well. I ended up doing six laps. He ended up doing, Andy didn't do it in five, yeah. only because I came through at 6.13, on the on our eleventh lap, mm-hmm. and you couldn't do a lap in forty seven minutes. Right, right, right. Um, do you do that race again? Oh yeah. You, you and you do it geared. And geared. Yeah. It, it, so now that said, had I run single speed, I looked at like their lap times, and I would have performed well in the solo single solo speed. single speed. Um, and I I said that to Andy afterwards. He's like, he kind of looked at me. He's like, sorry, man. And I'm like, no, that's not what I meant. Yeah. Um, I am much happier having done that with him than doing it by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, because A, we started putting, we got second out of 28 and we, I, dude, I rode 98, a little over 98 miles in what was effectively like six hours. Yeah. So, I mean, 16 mile an hour pace for yeah, 98 miles on nasty. a single speed yeah. and Andy rode a stupid pace and he ran a butt ton of miles too. He's over, you know, that's the longest, most miles he's ever ridden on a bike ever, mountain bike rather, really? ever. That's his long, he's done a 50. That. So he, I mean, he ran, what do you ride? Uh, you know, did, 78 miles. Yeah, that's a lot. Well, so, I mean, it was, it was exciting to watch. And it, I, you know, again, just to reference that single speed and versus geared and it really, when, you know, my thirst for, for data on all things, um, just looking at what the averages were and like your average wasn't that much slower than their fast guys average. Um, yeah, I came in at an average of one hour laps. Yeah. And he was like 40 seconds faster yeah but over a whole day and then if his teammates just his average is a little bit better than andy's then it was it really was just a a war of averages yeah and it came i mean it kind of <laughs> came down to it we'd even said we knew they would quit at 11 laps and we're like dude if we could just get one like if i could have just pulled out like a 53 minute lap yeah. and then andy pulls out like a 58 or something crazy but um in my 11th lap the sun had gone completely down um, you had asked Andy. I did. I was like, "Do you need lights?" And he's like, "No." I'm like, you Are know, you sure. I really made a mistake there, <laughs> and we didn't take lights, which were mandatory after four p.m. or so. They said, so we did the uh, Target rental, and um, we had Coleman headlamps, <laughs> battery powered, two hundred and fifty and three hundred watt Coleman lumen, lumen uh, Coleman headlamps, which are horrible. Yeah, but and we had to use athletic tape. We didn't have duct tape. To tape them to our house. Oh, <laughs> we looked like we had no. Yeah. And that's how I finished the second half of my last lap was yeah. by that headlamp. And uh, I ended up with that lap. I'll post a picture on our Instagram. Um, I had a chunk of cactus stuck into my water bottle. So um, somehow, at some point, I had picked up a cactus on my last lap. Because, you know, you're riding in the dark. You're a little loose. 
Um, I'll show it to you there. It's actually a chunk stuck into the bottle. Like whatever I rode through, I'm glad it wasn't in my leg. Yeah. (laughs) I'm telling you, like it was a little gnarly out there in the desert. Super gnarly. So second place overall, super happy. A lot of miles. Hey, you got on the box. Got on the box again. You know, I've had a ton of podiums this year and uh, finished it strong 12 races in 12 months. And will I go back to Arizona? Absolutely. I'm bringing you with me. Um, There's a race April 18th, 12 hour race. Um, just lightly soft tossing that out there. But uh, Zia rides, I will tell you, they put on a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal event. They have great support. Their um, their volunteers are awesome. And uh, because I did volunteer for them on Friday, I got a new level of respect. You know how when we uh, crewed for Leadville in 18, yeah. we were like, holy shit. Totally different perspective yeah, like, on the whole thing. Right? So Andy and I volunteered at McDowell Mountain Cycles awesome bike shop down there. Cool guys. And, uh, Andy and I did, you know, packet pickup, bib pickup, you got your t-shirt, all the things. There is so much that goes into running a race that I've never had to be a part of. Yeah. And I kind of just selfishly just walk up like, I'm that dude. Give me that number. Yeah. I'm out. Like, I'm not a dick me, about where's it. Where's my pack and my free shit? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Having volunteered now, I'm like, there's a lot of work. And yeah. so it was cool to see that side, but the Zia rides guys put on a cool stuff and, um, they have several of these 12 hour events. And I think I'm going to add that in to nice. 20. Very cool. Exciting stuff. Yeah. Um, Well, let's wrap this one up. Um, Just a quick reminder, everybody, uh, take a sick picture of you doing something awesome outside. Tag us at No Ride Around on Instagram. Tag three friends that would benefit from this kooky thing. Follow the page, and we'll arbitrarily decide who's the coolest. That's right. We're not playing favorites. you got to be the coolest. Yeah. Um, All right. That's it for this episode. Um, Thanks for listening this time around, and we'll... uh, See you one more time before the end of the year. You're weak. You're done. So get the fuck out. You're weak. You're done. So get the fuck out. You're weak. You're done.